Alright ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of The EPL Boys, but tonight we're going to be doing something a little bit different. It's just going to be me tonight, Matt, so hopefully you guys stick around and just hear me kind of give my opinions on the quarterfinals of the Euros. Um, JD and Logan are both kind of taking the weekend off. I'm giving them both a little bit of a vacation, so I'm glad that you guys are here. I'm glad you guys are listening along, so let's get started. Uh, first and foremost, I just want to thank everyone who continues to give us support and love. You guys are absolutely the best and honestly the reason why we continue to go forward. Uh, over the next few weeks, we will be going through a few changes here at the EPL Boys, um, all for the better. All, everyone is doing well, everyone is healthy, and I think that's the most important thing, but we are going to be taking a little bit of a move, a little bit of a direction change, and um, I'm really hoping that you all stick around and enjoy it, and once again, thank you so much for all your love. Um, friendly reminder, you can find us, the EPL Boys, on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at that handle, the EPL Boys. So hopefully you guys, if not already, please give us the follow, the like, the subscribe, anything you need to do to make sure that you are up to date on all of the action going on here at the EPL Boys. Things that we're going to be kind of going into in the near future. We might be looking at some merch. We might be looking at, you know, bringing on a lot more guests. So this is a podcast that is growing and we're glad that you are here a part of it. So like I said, not too much in the English Premier League to talk about. That's what we focus on, of course. So for us, we are going to be diving in strictly to the quarterfinals of the Euros. And boys and girls, we are going to start it off with probably one of the bigger matchups to look through the entire tournament. And that's going to be the Italy versus Belgium game. So Italy taking the 2-1 victory over the number one team in the world rankings in Belgium. So I, I'm going to attack this from a two-prong perspective. We all need to now put Italy in the conversation of, wow, just wow. What an absolutely incredible job this Italian national team has done to get to this position. A lot of people were going into this tournament with the illusion that, you know, yes, this Italy team is better and younger than in the past couple years where they didn't qualify for other uh, tournaments. But I'll be the first person to say I could not have imagined them getting this far and looking this good in the process doing it. They are just getting absolutely standout performances from across the entire board. Everyone on this team is playing absolutely out of their skin. And honestly, watching some of these even role players just do an absolutely incredible job to just do everything they can. Because, I mean, you look at this Italian side, yes. Do they have stars? Of course they do. But they don't have standout stars like Belgium do in Romelu Lukaku, Kevin De Bruyne. Like, play players like that... I really don't see on the this Italian national side. So for me, that only speaks volumes to the work that Roberto um, Mancini is putting in for this Italian side. It, it really just speaks absolute volumes. They are doing an absolutely incredible job. I mean, let's be honest here. Uh, Chiellini and Benucci, who at this point in their careers should be on the downslope where they are at in age... And they're turning around and they look like the best center back combination in the world, which we've, 
I think we had, like we were all talking about like eight or nine years ago. I mean, just absolutely standout performances, absolutely incredible. I mean, Jorginho is a standout for Chelsea, but he's been absolutely incredible. You're looking at guys like Ferrati who are just, again, absolutely just playing absolutely out of their mind. This Italian side deserves the respect that I feel like a lot of people are not giving them. And I think finally they're getting the recognition that they deserve. So for this Italian side, they have to now be in the conversation of favorites to win it all. Yes, they're going to have another big matchup coming up, but beating the number one team in the world and doing it fairly comfortably only just shows that this Italian side deserves your respect. Now, that was my positive on this. I'm now going to go towards the negative. Belgium are just masters in blowing it when it counts. The joke that we always make about some countries, oh, they just sweep the group stages and then they absolutely fall apart. Yeah, that is what Belgium is. Belgium, guys, I'm going to I'm going to hit him with the F word. I think Belgium are frauds. This is supposed to be the golden generation in air quotes. Um they've won nothing. They've looked good, but they've won nothing. And honestly, this is pretty embarrassing. You look at this side Everyone on this team is absolutely incredible. Incredible. Kevin De Bruyne, yes, playing on a slight injury, but I'm telling you right now, even slightly injured Kevin De Bruyne is still in the top 5% of midfielders in the world. You have Romelu Lukaku, who's supposed to be the greatest thing since sliced bread at the striker position, who has been absolutely phenomenal this entire year for Inter Milan, but again, had a good game but really didn't hit it when it counts. Got the penalty that made it to made it 1-1 at the time. So for them, I mean, this, again, it's... This game had a lot, but at the same time, I was extremely disappointed in Belgium. They had the opportunities. This Italian side probably looked their most vulnerable the entire tournament, but yet Belgium couldn't break it down. And for a team that has, again, a KDB... Let's talk about a Theo Hazard. You have Tielemans. You have Vitzel. You have all these guys who have the ability of breaking down an opponent, and they just didn't. Now, Belgium, you deserve to go out. You deserved. You kind of got through on the skin of your teeth in the previous round against Portugal, and I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say that I'm impressed on what you've done so far. You bullied a very weak group. And then you kind of, you know, you kind of just got to where you were at right now. And now you're sitting here going home. And now I think we are finally starting to see the end of what is the golden generation. The back line on this team is extremely old and extremely slow. And honestly, you're now going to have to see um, a power change for this Belgium side, which, again, I, I don't know how it is. Anytime a country is going through a rebuild system... It could end up in disaster. It could end up in success. I always like to use the method of the Greek national team. For about a decade and a half, the Greek national team was a guaranteed. They had the golden generation. They made runs. They performed upsets. They did what they had to do. And then the old guard retired, and the new wave of kids just didn't perform at the same level. Greece now have gone multiple tournaments in a row without qualifying. And honestly... I just don't know where this Belgium side is going to end up. And uh, I'll be honest with you guys, I'm I'm a little worried. I wonder if this Belgian team, I definitely don't see them holding on to the number one world ranking. And, and from there, it's just, again, you just don't know. 
But guys, there is one standout performer that I think we need to talk about. And of course, if you've been anywhere near social media over the past couple days, you have heard about the story of Jeremy Doku. This guy, at he's a teenager, and he absolutely tore apart any Italian defender who got near him. This guy has absolutely blistering pace for his age, and his ball control is phenomenal. But the thing that impresses me the most is his football IQ. You, when you are this young and you have the ability to read the game like he read the game, especially against a very, very experienced and heavily defensive Italian side, Jeremy Doku is definitely one to watch. Still in the Belgium League, but I'm telling you right now, he ain't going to be there long with performances like this. If you're not already keeping your eyes on this kid, I need you to remember the name Jeremy Doku because this kid is going to be absolutely phenomenal and honestly we've seen it a hundred times in our lifetime someone has a good european or world cup that exact transfer window they're on to a big club so honestly the transfer window is still very young let's make sure we keep our eyes on that because we honestly don't know what we are going to get now for our next game we had a nail biter an absolute nail biter we had switzerland and spain going all the way to pks and honestly watching this game i was really really interested to thinking that man there's no way switzerland can do this twice now again if this is the first time you're listening to us or even like following along with the Euros at all. Switzerland upset France in the previous round in penalties, having an absolutely perfect PK set from their shooters and a Kylian Mbappe saved penalty kept France from advancing, giving Switzerland the big, big win going into another game against another world powerhouse. And honestly... This game kind of had it all. It had a lot of controversial plays. It had a lot of Spanish possession, which of course you knew is what you were going to get. Switzerland, though, never looked afraid, never looked frazzled. They really, really looked like a team that might actually be able to upset another world giant. Unfortunately, a very, very lucky own goal I, would, I wouldn't say it's lucky. I'm saying it's lucky the fact that it was given as an own goal because it, it was a it was going in no matter what and unfortunately just hit a Switzerland player just before getting in and then a Jaradon Shakiri banger to give a 1-1 draw going into extra time and then a 30 minutes of basically just a bunch of back and forth. I mean, each team had decent chances, but unfortunately none that really really stood out for me. Switzerland were 100% playing for a penalty shootout. And of course, there was the extremely controversial red card in the 77th minute, giving Switzerland the disadvantage of having a man down. And and honestly, I just that this is just a prime example of, you know, look what happens when you have an English ref in a Euro game. If you're not surprised that the penalty is going to be, if the red card is going to be garbage, yeah, just look at the referee. We we discuss this every single week about how English refs just, for some reason, can't read the game like the rest of the world's refs can. And honestly, it's quite annoying. It's really quite annoying because going into this tournament, these the, the refing, the VAR, have been absolutely phenomenal. But unfortunately, of course, an English ref has to ruin it for the rest of us. 
a really weak challenge. I can understand where it might have been a red, but for the fact that it's a kind of read the room situation where it's like the rest of this tournament, this really hasn't been given as a red. So why are you giving it as a red? Like, it's just kind of like, let the let these teams play because honestly from that point spain kind of had a full advantage and they could honestly just do with whatever they wanted but of course it did come down to pks where unfortunately switzerland couldn't pull the same magic as they did in the previous round as they had a couple not even just a couple three straight missed penalties um you just you're just not gonna you're just not gonna get through on stats like that unfortunately and again with this Spain national team they did what they had to do converting three out of five penalties just again I'm gonna come at this from a two-part point of view my first part is for Spain which is congratulations you advanced but at no point can you be happy about this performance you took on a Switzerland side that was absolutely gassed from their previous fixture, and you let them in this game a lot more than you should have. And yes, I understand that Spain, back-to-back games where they had five-plus goals, I understand that, but you can pass the ball around all you want, and honestly, as as a Manchester United fan, I remember the days of, you know, Louis Van Hall, where, yeah, we're gonna ask outpass our opponent by three, four hundred passes, but what does that do for me? That doesn't do anything because you're just passing the ball side to side. And at no point did Spain really look like they wanted to take full advantage of this game. I mean, again, just I just don't see how Spain can continue this very inconsistent performance all the way through the final. But lo and behold, Spain advance. And now Spain will take on Italy. We will break down though. I will break down those games in the upcoming you know, segment, but yeah, for Spain, I'm, I'm really, really, really not confident that this team can just continue to just fail upwards, if that makes any sense, it's like, kind of just like, they're not doing enough to win, but they're just kind of given the opportunity where, hey, it just happened, so again, we're, we're gonna go from there, Spain did advance, and honestly, like I said, this game, this game, unfortunately, was probably the one that kind of just dragged out a little bit more than the others did, um, the next game, um, we're going to talk about Denmark versus Czech Republic. And I-, I think at this point, I've been screaming it now from the rooftops now for the past few games, Denmark are the team of destiny. With everything that went on with Christian Eriksen, since that moment, this team has been, I- I'm not going to use the word perfect, because perfect's a hard way to describe any soccer team, but this team has been immaculate. This team has been absolutely phenomenal to watch they are playing with such a gusto such a just honestly this pride of just the fact that they're fighting for what they're fighting for and honestly i feel bad for the czech republic because they didn't have a bad game they really really didn't have a bad game but this denmark side is just they just did enough to just see it over the line they got their two goals in early the final score of this game did end 2-1 So they got their two goals right in the first half. Again, Denmark just playing with this outright confidence that they're just, they refuse to allow their opponents to beat them. And yes, I understand. That's the point of the game. Air quotes, air quotes, air quotes. But 
it's easier said than done, and these guys are doing it. That's the thing that is giving me the most hope about this Denmark side is this is what is seeing them over the line. When the tournament first started, Logan was using this team as their T. That was his dark horse. And honestly, I was pretty... Me, personally, I'm just like, yeah, even with Christian Eriksen, I don't know if this team has enough to really be, like, go that far. But, of course, that's what a dark horse is. But this team is just playing with such pride and confidence that, honestly, I would be terrified for anyone to go up against them. The other thing I want to describe, unfortunately, like I said, the Czech Republic did crash out of the tournament. But I do want to talk about Patrick Schick the striker from Bayern Leverkusen, who is Czech Republic, he, this tournament has been absolutely phenomenal. And honestly, looking across the entire tournament, it's really opened my eyes. And yes, I am an English Premier League fan first, kind of. If, if you know me personally, I also love the MLS. So for me, I'm someone who, of course, the majority of my attention is going to go to the English Premier League. And of course, I do dabble in watching the Bundesliga, Syria, ah, the French League, this tournament has really opened my eyes to some of the phenomenal talent around Europe that I'm just not paying attention to. And honestly, going into this year, watching these games, watching these standout players, and then like finding out that they're playing for mid-table teams in their respective leagues, but I'm, not, I'm just not giving them enough attention. This upcoming year, I definitely vow that I will definitely keep an eye on these players more often. And honestly, I think that's the most beautiful part about the Euros is... It's your chance to prove yourself on the European stage. And once you get yourself in that spotlight, you're in it. Your, your name is going to be remembered. I mean, let's be honest here, guys. Renato Sanchez of Portugal. This is a guy who worked his way up through the Portugal youth system, made himself a massive name in 2016. And now, even though he's had a couple hardships at a couple bigger clubs, he's now once again on the rebound. And honestly... Everyone knows his name, and honestly, I feel like Patrick Sheik is definitely going to be a guy that after this tournament's over, you're going to want to keep your eye on in the Bundesliga and see how he's going to do. Now, guys, we are going on to the final game. I'm rubbing my hands. I'm going to take a sip of beer because I'll be honest with you, for the first 18 minutes, I've looked at my beer this entire time and haven't really had a sip. So one moment, if you don't mind. Boys and girls... Football might be coming home. And I use the term might be because now for the first time since the tournament started, I officially have confidence. Because England beat Ukraine 4 to nothing. Now, yes, at the beginning of this tournament, I did label Ukraine as my dark horse. And I did say, of course, in the last episode, I still think England are going to win this game. But I thought it was going to be very very tight. England haven't done enough, in my opinion, to really prove to me that, you know what, they can't just absolutely just shit pump their opponent. They can't just walk in and realize, hey, we're England. We have some of the best players in the entire world on our squad. Let's really, really get at this side today. Yeah, England proved me wrong for 90 minutes. For absolutely 90 minutes, England proved me wrong the entire time. They at no point allowed Ukraine in this game at all and offensively looked, again, I, I'm going to use the word immaculate. They've been absolutely phenomenal for those last 90 minutes. And honestly, you look at this, the entire tournament, 
Gareth Selke has been playing a makeshift back five with wingbacks pushing forward, and I understand that system, but for the first time, I think, all tournament, He's gone with a back four in a traditional, like what it looked like a 4-2-3-1 with Harry Kane being the lone striker up top. Also as well, Jaden Sancho getting his first start and first real minutes in this tournament after his big move to Manchester United. I don't know if that's like a reason behind it. I, I really have no idea. But man, did England not look phenomenal. And yes, I understand Ukraine gave it everything they had. But And again, I tip my hat to Ukraine. They gave it all they had. They really did. But at the end of the day, this Ukraine team looked gassed. They've been playing consecutive games where they've had to absolutely just stress out minutes on their biggest players. And and, and England took care of business. At the end of the day, England took care of business. But you know what? They impressed me the entire time. England looked lethal for the first time in a very long time in my eyes. This is a team that, man... If they really, really wanted to keep going, they could have easily put a couple more goals. This game could have gotten embarrassing. And I mean, honestly, 4 nothing is an embarrassing scoreline, but it could have gotten ugly. It could have gotten very, very ugly. So for me, I now start to think from, again, of course, am I going to be happy that England is doing well in major tournaments? Yes, because that is, you know... 95, almost 99% of the England squad are players who play in the English Premier League. I'm pretty sure now that Jaden Sancho is over, I'm pretty sure it's like just Jude Bellingham, who is the like lone guy not in the Premier League. I could be wrong. I'm not looking at rosters at the moment. But this team is giving the English Premier League kind of just the pump it needs. And of course, it's hard to say that. The English Premier League is one of the most viewed leagues in the entire world. But it's putting it in a more positive spotlight where a lot of people look at the England teams and go, oh, England teams are just big because of the media market. Well, now you're seeing this England team make its way to the semifinals. Fairly comfortable. Guys, England have done what no team has ever done in European history. And they have gone their first five games and have not conceded one goal. Harry Maguire is looking like prime, 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 prime Niamni Vidic. And John Stones is sitting here looking like prime Rio Ferdinand. And I'm sitting here wondering, wow, this is absolutely phenomenal to watch. At no point did the back four of England look stressed or worried or uncomfortable Jordan Pickford, who, again, we've said this on previous episodes. I've said this on previous episodes. Jordan Pickford makes mistakes just as much as every other goalkeeper in the world. In this tournament, though, he's looked absolutely phenomenal. He's looked pure. He's looked like absolute class. And honestly, it's hard for me to take Jordan Pickford seriously in these moments because I remember Jordan Pickford being the guy who, you know too short to reach, you know, basic, you know, just basic things, getting bullied in the box on corners. I'm looking at him now and I'm saying like, wow, this guy is literally, he must have just sucked the, like, just the skills out of David De Gea at some point. Maybe that's why David De Gea is not doing too hot. But I just, I look at it from the point of view of, man, England are hitting at just the right time. England players are hitting their form at just the right time. Now we're getting to the crunch time of this tournament. And again, nothing against this Denmark side, but England got on the, like, it just, the way it fell, they got on the right side of the board. They got the opponents that they need to get. And honestly, 
now is where I'm now going to lead into the discussion of the semifinals of the Euros. So it is going to be Italy versus Spain, and it is going to be England versus Denmark. I'll start with Spain versus Italy. And honestly, I'm going to lean... Again, Italy have been absolutely phenomenal this tournament. Only giving up, I believe, one goal in the entire tournament, and I believe it was off a Romelu Lukaku penalty. I could be wrong. Again, I'm not really looking at things. I'm kind of just going off of what I remember watching. This Italian side has been absolutely phenomenal. They've absolutely manhandled every single opponent, and they look comfortable doing it. They look very relaxed, without stress. And honestly, for this Italian side, that allows them to really blossom into the style that they want to play. What's going to be interesting, though, is this Italian game plan might really butt heads with this Spain game plan because Spain want possession, but so do Italy. These are two teams who, if they really want to hit on full cylinders, they want the majority of the ball. So it's really going to be interesting to me on who's able to retain the majority of the possession because I have a gut feeling whoever's not able to get at least 50 to 55% of the ball it's going to be tough for them because they're really not going to have that that ability to break down the other team. I really don't know either one of these sides really being able to really heavily counterattack. I mean, this Italian side, again, have some absolute speedsters up front. And honestly, I feel like if Italy had to change their game plan and really go on the counter for this game, I think Italy would be able to do it over... Uh, this Spain side. Again, it's nothing against the Spain side, but I've, as I said in the last segment, this Spain side have just been getting by by the skin of their teeth. And honestly, I just, they're now playing probably their most difficult opponent the entire tournament. And Italy have gone through, you know, they've gone through who they've need to gone, get through to get here. They have done phenomenal in every step of the way. I think, in my personal opinion, as the well, the boys do agree. I feel like Italy are going to take this. I don't know if it's going to be comfortable, but I do believe this Italian side are going to handle business. I could see. I'm. I think there will be goals. I doubt this is going to be a game where they're really, really, really going to just lock down and one goal is going to do it. I think goals are in it. Uh, a scoreline I won't give you. Um, I'm horrible with scorelines. If you've known any of our, you know, <laughs> segments where we try to predict scorelines, I don't think I got one right all year. Um, but now over to the England versus, uh, England versus Denmark game. Uh, this is, in my opinion, as much as I think the other game is going to be fun to watch, I think this is going to be the game you should be watching. And I guess that maybe that's a little bit of a hot take because I worry that the other game might get cagey. I don't think this game will get cagey. England are going to try to assert their power and they're going to try to give Denmark everything they have. And like I said, this Denmark side is the team of destiny at the moment. And honestly, I just don't think they're afraid of anyone. I really, really see this Denmark side giving England everything they have. Saying that, I think this is where this, the Cinderella story does end, though. I really, I think England are just going to have just too much. Because when you start getting down to, you know, substitutes and benches, honestly, in my personal opinion, the fact that Jack Grealish doesn't start these games, like, just hasn't started really at all, is just it, it's a cheat code to have for Gareth Southgate to be able in the 65th 70th minute to go hey Mason Mount who in my opinion is becoming world class in front of our eyes isn't working out hey I'm just gonna put on Jack Grealish he's basically a human cheat code 
Oh, I need pace? I have Marcus Rashford, one of the fastest players in the world on the bench. Like, oh, I want to switch it up a little bit and I'm not starting Jaden Sancho? I'm just going to put on Saka. Again, England, I think, just have too much in the tank. And honestly, defensively have looked so sound. I don't think enough people are giving England the credit where they deserve in the midfield. And honestly, this is where I think the game, I think most of their games, like I said, their defense has been phenomenal, but I really want to talk about Calvin Phillips and I want to talk about Declan Rice. These two at holding midfield, they have played, I believe, almost every single minute or at least have started every single game of this Euro so far. They've been absolutely phenomenal. Their defensive play in the midfield is giving players like Sterling, Sancho, Mount, Saka, Grealish, Harry Kane, giving these guys the opportunity to just focus on offense and be that safety net behind them. It's been phenomenal to watch them put out every little fire that has blossomed in these games. And when you have guys like Harry uh, Harry Maguire who aren't the fastest center backs in the world, to have people in front of them to really help them out England look, they look good, guys. They look good to get to the final. And honestly, again, the boys also agree with me. England look to be going on to the final. Again, these are going to be extremely exciting games to watch. Uh, in my opinion, like I said, we, again, it'll be an England-Italy final. Um, what a final. Like, let's also, like, we're not going to jump ahead. If that final does come to fruition we are going to discuss that hopefully not just me because as much as I enjoy talking about soccer I always enjoy talking it over with my friends and not having Logan and JD here of course it's not fun but hey has to get done I want you guys to be able to you know at least hear my breakdown and I you know I have to I, again I think it's a safe bet that JD and Logan kind of have the same feeling I do so for the boys, of course, I want to thank every single last one of you guys and girls who give us the, you know, hour, hour and a half that our ap episodes usually end up running. I want to just give you guys like a, just a big thank you. And honestly, of course, at the end of every episode, we ask you to be safe and be well. But personally, for me, I want everyone to know that like the time you give us the 30 minutes, 40 minutes, you know, even if you don't listen to the full episode, if you've liked an Instagram post, if you shared something on Twitter, if you've liked a Facebook post, anything like along those lines, if you've given us any love or support, I just want to just give you a thank you. Uh, there's just a lot of things that I feel like go, you know, unseen. And I think like certain podcasts, you know, especially the ones that are really, really big, uh, they always say that they always appreciate their fans. But I, I, we're still very small. And I say still because our listeners and the people who give us the support are, they're helping us grow every single day uh, and I and we can't thank you enough that's my biggest thing we I personally cannot thank you enough for giving the time out of your day to listen to us discuss soccer and and again anytime anyone reaches out to us on social media we try so quickly to jump at the first opportunity to open that conversation and just you know we just again we're just soccer fans talking soccer so the conversation is always for you guys as well Please, you hear something on the pod that kind of like, hey, you agree with or maybe you disagree with, reach out to us because maybe your opinion might sway our opinion. And that's the most beautiful thing about it is this is a game where even though you can be complete opposite when it comes to, you know, a, a thought, a player, a game plan, a, a team, 
the beautiful thing is we can talk we can talk to each other without it being hostile or just you know people yelling and screaming no my team is better than yours no my team is better than yours and i think that's why they call it the beautiful game is because you can get opposites in the same room hug it out and be friends when it's over and honestly i think that's the most beautiful thing i mean let's be honest i'm a man united fan with two liverpool guys on the same podcast uh i love it and i could never see myself not doing this and i love the guys i work with and i and it's an absolutely great time and again i can't thank you guys enough my name is matt if you haven't already, of course, I'll recap like I did at the beginning of the episode. You can find the EPL boys at that tag on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Like I said, there are awesome changes coming into the future, and we can't wait for you guys to be a part of every single step. So for the boys, JD and Logan, please be safe, please be well, and hey guys, is football coming home? Question mark. Back in town.